0: talking about the end times you might be a younger person out there you might be thinking that uh, it's not relevant well it's very relevant to each and every one of us and it's important that we have an understanding of end times so once again we're going to go through these things look first of all at the summary of end time events this is just a summary first of all next on god's agenda i believe is the rapture of the church after the rapture of the church the church is in heaven for seven years and during that time, certain things will take place. Then you've got a tribulation for seven years upon this earth. You don't want to be a part of that. I guarantee it. You want to have nothing to do with it. And then you've got the second coming of Christ. And then the battle of Armageddon. And then the judgment of the Gentiles' nations. And then the, Satan's going to be bound for 1,000 years. The millennial reign of Christ is going to last for 1,000 years. Satan's going to be loose for a season to tempt those that went through the 1,000-year millennial reign without him being around to tempt them. But he'll tempt them at that particular time. Then you're going to have him loosed. And then for a thousand years. And then the battle of Gog and Magog. And then, of course, uh, the great right throne judgment. And then death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And then a new heavens and a new earth. Now, the most important two words I can share with you about end time events are these two. Be ready. I could say live ready. Probably even be in more pacting. But be ready. Live ready. And here's why. Here's why you and I should be ready or be ready. Right now. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... ready does that say it all some think well i've got time you may not have time there will not be any time to get ready when he comes he comes and that's all there is to it so it's important that we understand that also um, people that have lived on before we did and they've already died it doesn't matter what they believe they've already gone they're either in heaven or they're lost in uh, hell forever and so it doesn't matter what a person believes it's going to happen no matter what someone believes But we want to live ready. We want to be ready at all times because we know we're living in the last of the last days. And that's the reason why we want to give you this message because we're going to know that we're living in the last of the last days guaranteed when you finish this. Point number two, don't be driven by fear or greed is another point to be made. Look at 2 Peter. We're not to be moved by fear or greed. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. This is called merchandising the anointing. This is talking about selling fear so that they can sell books, tapes, CDs, etc., etc., and make a lot of money based on fear. People were afraid of what's going to happen, and so they go out and buy generators, they go and buy a lot of water, they buy all these tribulation food packages and all that sort of thing, and dig themselves holes, and they live in a cave and all that. That's absolutely absurd. There's nothing to fear. Praise God. When Jesus comes, we're all going with him. Not unless you want to stay behind. I'm, I'm going. So we don't use these forces, you know, these driving forces for profit. Number three, Jesus said to occupy till he comes. In Luke 19, occupy until he comes. He called his 10 servants and delivered them to the 10 pounds and said to them, occupy until. Till I come that means stay busy stay focused do the work of the Lord invest in the things of God make certain that you do look in uh, the book of Titus what it says in chapter 2 verses 11 through 15 for the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary so don't let anyone disregard what you say so basically that's a mouthful isn't it we're supposed to be living ready being ready every day of our lives serving him walking with him honoring him and not like some just say well all your sins are forgiven past present future doesn't matter how you live or what you do i beg to differ with that okay number four end time signs sign number one is a thousand year theory look at second peter and what it says in chapter three and this is the end time 1,000 year theory. If you ever heard it, I don't know, but you're going to hear it now. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, notice last days, scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. How many times have people told you that? For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is as a thousand years this is with the lord and a thousand years as one day the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance So it's been a long time. We understand that. But God is long suffering. He wants everybody to be saved. And so that's basically what he's waiting for. And he is merciful. And he wants everybody to come into the kingdom. But notice the theory. One day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. So take the seven days of creation. And if you make each one a thousand years. That's how many years? Seven thousand years. So from Adam to Abraham is how many years? 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus, how many years? 2,000 years. Or four days now. Two days for each, four days. From Jesus till now, how many years? 2,000 years. So that's six days or 6,000 years. How many days are left? One. How many years are left? 1,000 years. 1,000 years. And how long will he reign on earth? 1,000 years. What does that tell us if that theory is correct? We're living at a time right now when at any time what you saw in that video can happen which ushers us into the last seven years of tribulation and then 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ to wrap up, praise God, the um, seven day week of God's plan of redemption for mankind. Now, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. This is just thrown out there just a little bit of something to to get your mind stimulated. Okay? First John 2.18 tells us little children in the last time. Notice it's the last time. And as you come, as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the what? Last time. We're living in the last time. This is referring to a period of time from the first advent to the second advent of Christ. It's called the last time. So it began when Jesus came, and it's going to end in the second coming of our Lord. It's during that particular time. Now doctor, his name is Dr. Weatherford, Weatherhead, he calculated the average person's life in a 24-hour period. So if you live, take your life and put it in a 24-hour period, this is what he calculated. This is what he came up with to let us know how short life really is on the planet. So if you are someone that's 15 years old, it's early in the morning, about 10, 25 a.m. You just maybe got out of bed. If it's summertime. And you're not in school. You just woke up. But if you're 70 years old, look at what time it is. What time is it? How much time do you have left? An hour to live. That's striking, wouldn't you say? There's a lot when you think about that to get done in that short period of time that we're going to live here upon this earth. So he calculated that out so that we can understand the need for really numbering our days. Now, miscellaneous signs. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. These are signs that we're living in the last times. This know also that in the last days, notice last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, uh, with unnatural affection, truth-bakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such stay away. Now. He is saying in the last times, which we believe we're living in the last times, all those things will be in manifestation. Can you see any reason not to think that that's happening in our world today? Oh, just look around and you find out all those things are manifesting right now. All those things he just said are happening in the world that we live in today. But notice I have written there for you the Norwegian prophecy from 1968. And this is from a woman that was um, 90 years old at the time. And just real quick, I have these articles for you. They're out there in an the narthex area of our church. I'm just going to read a little bit from that. But if you have a desire to study these things and know these things, you could read it for yourself. You can pick them up out there. If we need to make more, we'll make some more for you. But just to give you a heads up, she's a 90-year-old woman from Norway. She had a vision in 1968. An evangelist by the name of Emmanuel Minos had meetings or services where she lived. So he had the opportunity to meet with her, and she told him what she had seen in a vision. He wrote it down, but thought that it was so unintelligible that he put it in a drawer. Now, almost 30 years later, he understands that he has to share this vision with others that are in the world. This woman was very alert. She was reliable. She was credible, awake. She was a good Christian, good reputation among all those that knew her. And what she saw was this. I saw the time before the coming of Jesus, the outbreak of the third world war. I saw the events with my natural eyes. I saw the world uh, like the kind of a globe and saw Europe land by land. Okay, here's some, there's four things, four details that she saw, but I just want to read to you uh, just two of them. Like I said, you can pick up the uh, other ones for yourself. She saw that a lukewarmness without parallel will take hold of the Christians of falling away from true living Christianity. Christians will not be open for penetrating preaching. They will not, like in earlier times, want to hear of sin and grace, long gospel, repentance and restoration. There will come a substitute instead, prosperity, Christianity. This is 68. There will be an emphasis on things like here. The important thing will be to have success. To be, to be something. To be someone. To have a material thing. Or things that God wants to bless us with. From a natural perspective. Above the spiritual perspective. Churches and prayer houses will be emptier and emptier. Instead of preaching. We have been used to for generations like. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. There will be entertainment. Art and culture will invade the churches. Where there should have been gatherings for repentance and revival. This will cause market. This will increase markedly. Just before the return of our Lord. And what do we hear today? You try to preach against sin. Preach on repentance. And all of a sudden you're uh, preaching the law and works. How many of you know that the grace of God teaches us to live godly in this present day void? Look at number four. The, the second one, number three. There will be a moral disintegration of old Norway that it has never seen before. People will live together like married couples without being married. Much uncleanness before marriage will take place and much infidelity in marriage will become the norm. It will be justified from every angle. It will enter even Christian circles and we pet it even sin against nature. Or homosexuality. Just before Jesus returns. There will be TV programs. Like we've never experienced before. Now his comment is. TV just arrived in Norway in 1968. So how would she even know this? How would she see this? If it wasn't given by revelation. 1968 is when they got TV in Norway. But here's what she says. He showed her. That TV will be filled with such horrible violence. That it teaches people to murder and destroy each other. It will be unsafe in our streets. People will copy what they see. There will not be only one station or channel on TV. It'll be filled with many channels. Therefore, she called, she called them stations instead of channels because she didn't have that word. Uh, it'll be just like the radio. People will use it for entertainment. We will see terrible scenes of murder and destruction, one of the other, and this will spread in society. Sex scenes will also be shown on the screen, the most intimate things that take place in marriage. Now, this man responds by saying he protested against this, which is why he set it aside and said to the woman, we have paragraphs that forbid this kind of thing on TV. There, the old woman said, it will happen and you will see it. All we have had before will be broken down and the most indecent things will pass before our eyes on TV. So this is 1968 when you weren't even allowed to have a married couple to sleep in the same bed on a TV program. Is that right? But God showed her that this is what will be in the end times. This will be a a, a marked thing about the end time events. Okay, look at the next one. Explosions of knowledge in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. Let's read that. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And notice this. And knowledge shall be increased. In other words, travel will increase and knowledge will increase. So when you notes, there, look at how I put this together for you. Uh, transportation, and, and besides this, remember there's there's all kind of advancements in medical science, right? Over the years, and all kinds of uh, advancements in all kind of technologies over the years, right? But notice where we came from. Notice it starts here with the uh, uh, transportation. Well, we used to walk, have a horse, a chariot, a boat, a car, a plane, a rocket, and then finally space age. And we're talking about right now setting people up to live up some somewhere on a moon or Mars. Anybody want to go? No one wants to go. No one wants to live in Mars or on the moon. Oh okay what about communications look at this we started off by talking to one another then we had smoke signals telegraph telephone radio television telewoman email twitter text did i say that out loud oh i'm sorry uh twitter texting facebook but there was no increase of all these things until the 1800s so what's been happening in the last couple hundred years increase of knowledge and transportation look at the next one rebirth of israel as a nation isaiah 66 and verse 8 let's read it who hath heard such a thing who hath seen such things shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day or shall a nation be born at once for as soon as Zion travailed she brought forth her children let's answer the question on may 14 1948 israel became a nation once again Israel didn't always exist as a nation. You realize that God is the one who basically birthed the nation. Look at Genesis chapter 12. God is the one who brought forth the nation of Israel. He's responsible for its birth. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So who is responsible for the creation of the nation of Israel? Who gave birth to the nation of Israel. Almighty God did right, but now notice here in the book of Jeremiah 34 or 31 35 to 37, and hear my words no being, no nation, no power on this earth, under this earth, will destroy the nation of Israel. It is an impossibility, and here's why the Lord provides the sun to be a light during the day, He orders the moon and stars to be lights during the night, He stirs up the sea so that it waves war. His name is the Lord of armies this is what the lord says pretty good credentials right and here's what he says only if these laws stop working declares the lord will israel's descendants stop being a nation in my presence this is what the lord says only if the heavens could be measured or the foundations of the earth could be searched would i ever reject all israel's descendants because of everything that they have done declares the lord so it doesn't matter how evil they get no matter what they've done and right now they're in a state of defilement there is no plan- a nation on this planet that will ever wipe out israel now remember that the egyptians tried to do it haman tried to do it and they were taken into babylonian captivity all assyrian captivity Over the many, many, many years they were in captivity and and finally got to a place where they are under Roman powers and government. And even though many have tried tried and tried and tried and tried and tried again to destroy Israel, they can't. They can't. They won't. Why? Because God said it. Just as the waters of the ocean will not cross over the seashore, even so the nation of Israel will never be destroyed by a person. It won't happen because God said so. And in 1967, of course, we know what took place after uh, winning a, a miraculous victory uh, over superior Arab armies during a six-day war. For 2,000 years, they were under Gentile control. But now, once again, Jerusalem is in the control of the Israelites. Of course, we know there's the temple, uh, the dome that's there, right? On the, on the temple mount, the dome of the rock is there. But, you know, God can work that out. Anybody here believe that God can work it out? Anyone here deny it? You think he can't work it out? But the point is, this didn't happen till 1948 and 1967. So if you lived before that and said, Jesus can come tomorrow, you know, I might question that. But because Israel now is a nation, and because they have control of Jerusalem, and all these things have come to pass, yes, he can come in that twinkling of an eye right here right now which is why we're supposed to be living ready all right look also in isaiah 35 and verse 1 look what happened there in a short time of their existence the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose look notice blossom as the rose in your notes here look at in her short time of existence as a modern state israel became the largest exporter of roses to europe Even the sand produces lush crops as a result of the revolutionary agricultural methods. Can you imagine that? This is all miraculous by the hand of God. Look at the next uh, sign that we're living in the last days. The sign of the regathering of Jews in Israel. And we call that the Aliyah, which is the people of, of God. The Jews coming from all around the world back to their homeland. Okay, look at the book of Jeremiah, what it says in Isaiah. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country, and from all countries whither I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Look at Isaiah's prophecy. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. The Aliyah, it right now is all the people of God coming back home to Israel from the east and the west and the north and the south, just as it was prophesied. That's happening right here and right now. It's going on like we've never seen before. They're all coming back to Israel. That's a sign that we're living in the last times. The next one is the scoffer sign. We read a little bit of that, but look at here. Chapter uh, 2 Peter, chapter 3. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and the commandment of, of us apostles and the Lord our Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers Walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Notice these scoffers. And sometimes that you can just see them. They're on television there. They call themselves comedians. I call them informed, uninformed comedians. They could laugh. They could scoff. They could mock. They can say we're crazy. But I'm telling you something right now. Let them laugh all they want jesus is coming again and he's not coming as a baby he's coming as the king of kings and the lord of lords and he's not coming for peace he's coming to make war and destroy every enemy once and for all they can laugh all they want look at the next sign solomon's third temple the first one was uh, destroyed in 586 bc by the babylonians the second was destroyed in AD 70 by the romans the ark was gone the Uh, Urim and Thummim the holy oil and there was no sacred fire it was all gone 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 for how many years but in 2010 a replica began being built priests started being trained priestly clothes were being made vessels of the temple trained Uh, vessels of the temple collected rather three six ton cornerstones were were Um, consecrated with water from the pool of siloam and the anointing oil was brought in the vessels of gold silver and copper included 95 pound pure gold menorah at a ticket price of two million dollars now again the articles that we have put together for you out there and you can there's some out there made as i said this is from uh, the temple institute and it's an article talked about the temple in waiting The Temple Institute is actively engaged in the research and preparation of the resumption of service in the Holy Temple to the extent of actually preparing operational blueprints for the construction of the temple according to the most modern standards. The menorah is just one tag, one of the several vessels being created for the next temple. It's covered with 95 pounds of pure gold and has a price tag of $2 million. Piece by piece, the third temple is taking shape. With priest garments, vessels, copper, gold, and silver, a new de- generation of Levite priests specially trained for temple service. Uh, Richmond, uh, one of the uh, rabbis, but obviously a lot of things have to happen in order for this to happen, for the temple to be built. He's not the only one, these other ones are also working toward the goal of rebuilding the third temple. Listen to this. The six-ton stones are consecrated from the water from the biblical pool of Siloam and cut with diamonds. For several years, Solomon and his followers tried to place the stones on the temple mount, and every year they were stopped by the Israeli police. So there has been an effort for them to get this thing going, but they've been stopped. Here we have a picture of the golden menorah, $2 million worth, the golden menorah that's already ready to go. And imagine this, when all these things get in place... You realize what's going to happen? It's only going to last for three and a half years. You see, there's no need for all this. And we'll explain some things as we go on. All these things that were lost for 2,000 years are all of a sudden being found in the day in which we live. Israel's a nation right now. Jerusalem is under their control right now. People are going back to the homeland right now. The temple in waiting is prepared. The blueprints are drawn up. All the artifacts, all the articles, all that is necessary for them to begin. Once again, temple worship is taking place. They are training priests because the priests didn't know how to do temple worship because for 2,000 years they haven't done it. They didn't sacrifice any sacrifices. There has never been a red heifer in 2,000 years, but they're finding red heifers right now in the time in which we are living. And here, this is another thing that they found. It's called the Shimon of Farshaman. It is the holy anointing oil from the holy temple was found in April of 1988 by the Vendel Jones Research Institute's excavation team. And after intensive testing, they have found it indeed to be the very holy anointing oil that was used. It was used as the fragrance of the oblation for a sweet-smelling savor on the sacrifices, and it was also used as the holy anointing oil for the priests, the prophets, and the kings. So finding the oil was important for two reasons. It's the first item to be found from the first temple period, and it's one of the items listed among the treasures in the copper scroll, which is discovered because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So in other words, all these things are happening in this time in which we live right now. So there's no reason for us to think that he couldn't come by the time I put my Bible down. Amen. Or we say amen. So he can come at any moment right now. Because everything is in place right now. For the return of Jesus in the rapture. And we're going to address that in a moment. If we can get to it. Because there are those that don't believe there's going to be a rapture. Stop watching some of these on TV. That are trying to lead you astray. Good advice. Number five. Look at the seven day redemptive plan. That God. That revealed Really, God's plan of redemption in seven days. What's God's perfect number? Seven is his perfect number. All right, in the beginning, we see six days of work and one day of rest, seven days. One day is a thousand years, thousand years is a day, right? So that's 7,000 years. So we could say that God's whole plan for man is going to be within a 7,000 year period. Well, 6,000 years have come and gone almost at any time. See, there's a little gap between when Jesus came and his birth and all that and something that it could be actually in this year, 2018. It could be right where we start this new 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. Many believe that. But regardless, we don't set dates. All we know is we need to be ready right now. Okay. Now, God's seven-day plan is also revealed in the seven feasts. I don't want to lose you here, so just follow just very simply The seven days you see here, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, those are 7,000 years that talk about God's plan for man overall. But now, in the seven feasts, here's what we have we've got the Passover, the unleavened bread, the first fruits, the Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. Those are the seven feasts. And those seven feasts are to reveal God's plan of redemption for man. So, number one, under point A, the Passover, Jesus is crucified as the Passover lamb. Number two, the unleavened bread. Jesus is buried in white linen on the unleavened bread. Day of unleavened bread. That was the feast. The day of first fruits. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Of course, he's the first, the greatest. Then the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent the Holy Ghost. We're living right now during that time that he sent the Holy Ghost. Between Wednesday and Thursday. But let's first finish these. Thursday is the Feast of Trumpets. He sounds the shofar. That is, the high priest does. The day of atonement. When Jesus' is atoning blood that we've accepted now was accepted by Israel. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the thousand-year reign of Christ dwelling on earth among men. Now, go to Wednesday and Thursday. Remember, the one, one day reveals to us, if you put your whole life in one day, 24-hour period, where you'd be. Okay, we are between Wednesday and Thursday right now on God's timetable. So we're living in the time of harvest that we're preaching the gospel to get people into the kingdom of God. But it is not Wednesday at 10.35 a.m. It's not Wednesday at 10.50 a.m. It's not Wednesday at 12 noon. It's not Wednesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. We are living Wednesday 11.55 p.m. And Thursday is going to come up in 5 minutes four minutes, three minutes, and that's when the trumpet is sound, the shofar is blown by the high priest, and those that are on the harvest field are taken off the harvest field, and they go into the temple, which is a type of the rapture of the church when he sounds the trumpet in First Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ rise, those that are alive will be changed and caught up, meet them, we're going to go to the throne of God. And then then we're going to have seven years of tribulation on the earth. But we are living in between Wednesday and Thursday right now. That's how close we are. The next feast to take place is the fall feast, the feast of trumpets, when the high priest blows the shofar and those in the harvest field come off and go into the temple. Who's the high priest? Jesus. Who's going to blow that shofar? Jesus. What's going to happen? The dead in Christ are going to rise. Those that are alive will be changed. And where are we going to go? To the throne, to the temple before the throne of God. We're out of here. Someone says, we need to stay and go through tribulation. Have fun. That's all I can say. Now, under point six, this is the time we're living in. All right. There's going to be differences between the rapture and second coming, and why some of these people that call themselves, I guess, teachers or Bible teachers and theologians can't see this, I don't understand it, why they can't see it. There are some on TV that say there's no rapture of the church, there's only one second coming, he's coming at, all right, take the second coming and do this if you want to. You can divide it into two aspects, aspect one we call A, aspect two we call B, A is the rapture, B is the second, actual second coming one he comes in the clouds another one he comes on earth but let's look at these contrasts first of all look at the purpose when i can look at all these verses they're there for you to study for yourself go to point b the purpose of the rapture here's the purpose to for christ to receive saints to himself to take the saints to heaven to be judged where we're going to receive our rewards and partake of the marriage supper of the lamb are you hungry are you wanting your reward That's called the Bama Judgment judgment Seat of Christ. We're going to get judged for the works we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. We're going to be tested or tried by fire. The fire is going to burn up the chaff, the wood, hay, and the stubble. The gold, precious stone, gold, silver, and precious stones will remain. We'll get rewarded for the things that we've done to advance the kingdom of God here upon the earth and and to promote God's work, okay? We'll be rewarded for that. And in that seven-year period, there's going to be these things going on. We're going to have that. We'll be judged. Then we're going to have the marriage Supper of the Lamb. We're going to get to meet Jesus and know Jesus a whole lot better. All these things are taking place. Okay, to change the saints from mortality to immortality. Any takers out there? The rest of you, you like your body that you're living in? Anybody want a glorified body here? Yes. Hallelujah, amen. Okay, then also to, to permit the revelation of the Antichrist. We're not going to look at all these verses, like I said. But we're going to read that a little bit later. Without, with the church here, he can't be revealed. But when the church is gone, he can be revealed, and he will be, and we'll show you that in a moment. Also, to make saints like Christ, hallelujah, to make the blessed hope a reality, as Titus says, and then to end the church age and make way for God to deal with Israel and fulfill last day prophecies. Okay, so that's the church getting out of the way, the church being removed. Why? Because this is the time of the Gentiles. The time of the Jew has stopped. The stopwatch has stopped. We're living in the time of the Gentiles for 2,000 years, the last days. At the end of the age, when the last one comes into the kingdom, Jesus will come and we click back the watch, the stopwatch on to Jewish time. That's why the last seven years of Daniel's 70th week deals with Israel and Jerusalem, not with the church. And we'll show you that a little bit later. But now look at the purpose of the second coming of Christ. To judge the nations as Matthew says. We won't read it. You can look it up for yourself. To defeat the Antichrist and his armies at Armageddon. Yes. To execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In Jeremiah. To reign over all the nations of the world. As in Revelation. To, cut, uh, to put down all rebellion on the earth. As we see in 1 Corinthians. To remove every curse from the earth. In Romans. To bring universal peace and prosperity. As Isaiah says. To establish Jerusalem as the world's. Capital that one I want us to bring up and look. Look at Jeremiah chapter three and verse seventeen. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it. Isn't that something? All the nations shall be gathered unto it to to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. Jesus will reign as king of kings and lord of lords and prince of peace on the throne in Jerusalem, praise God, which will be the capital of the world. Think about all the controversy over Jerusalem. But one day, look out. He's going to reign on the throne there. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. And then, to cast the Antichrist and false prophet to the lake of fire. Look at Revelation 19, verse 20. Man, if this doesn't make you shout, you, you get a new shouter. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Can you say men? Hallelujah. Isn't it something when the devil's cast into the lake of fire, there's a thousand years of peace here upon this earth when he's bound up in the abyss, praise God, and not wreaking havoc with people's lives, we can actually live the way God wants us to live. Can you imagine Jesus on the throne, the government upon his shoulders, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father, ruling from Jerusalem and everybody's coming of all the nations of the world. He funds it not with, you know, what what we do today, but with the tide he funds his government, praise God, provides for every need. You don't need any welfare system because he's there supplying all your need according unto his riches in glory he divides it up equally for all men to enjoy upon the planet praise god He's, you talk about the best politician that there is it's jesus aren't you glad hallelujah amen oh what a sight for sore eyes hallelujah and also ears amen all right so now under point d Here's the contrast between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Or if you want to say a second coming, point A and B. Rapture comes before the tribulation. Second coming after it. Rapture, he comes for the saints. Second coming, he comes with the saints. Rapture, saints go to heaven. With the second coming, the saints come back to the earth. The rapture, Christ comes in the clouds. Second coming, he comes to the earth. Christ is not seen in the rapture. But every eye sees him in Revelation 1.7. Let's read it. Every eye sees him. So with these contrasts, how can you say they're not two separate events? Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Not in a rapture, but in the second coming. And they also which pierced him. That's talking about the Jews, the Romans. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Does that sound like a blessed hope? Does that sound like a blessed hope to you? Mm. Because of him, even so, amen. I'll tell you what, when the ones, when he comes to fight for Israel, there's going to be a lot of wailing that's going to be going on. But he's coming and every eye will see him, but not in the rapture. He's not seen in the rapture. You saw that video, it's just the same way. In an atomic moment, in the twinkling of an eye, boom, we're gone and we're out of here. Okay, what's next on the calendar? I'm sorry, our blessed hope. Our blessed hope is the rapture, but the second coming is the great day of wrath. If you recall in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, when Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath known to me five planks on his platform to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight of the blind, set liberty to bruise, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Isn't that what he said? Those, those things? Well, guess what? He left out the day of vengeance from that prophecy. Did you, you, did you know that? See, Isaiah says also the day of vengeance. You know why he left it out? Because he didn't come for vengeance. He came to do all that healing. He came to set people free. He came to make people whole once again. To give them hope. To give them life. To heal them. Deliver them. Make them whole. Raise them up. Praise God for 2,000 years. You see. But when he comes this time. mm, It's vengeance. That's when the day of vengeance, vengeance will be. All right. No battle of Armageddon during the rapture, but at the second coming, there's going to be the battle of Armageddon. So the rapture is Christ returning the clouds to take us home to be with him and do all those things we said. Then we're going to come back with him after seven years. Can you imagine us sitting down, sitting around just talking? I don't know how it's going to be up there. Maybe I have to ask Andrew what's like up there, but I don't, I don't know, but we don't know. We haven't been there. Uh, what are we going to do today? Um, I, don't know we, I think we're going to saddle up our horses. Why? Where are we going? back down to the earth look at jesus over there he got on that white horse look he's getting himself battle ready he's got on he's got his sword he's got a vesture dipped in blood on can you see it he's got a name written that no man knows and he said saddle up boys you're all coming with me we're going on down to the earth and defend israel we are going to go down there and wreak havoc with all those that have been against us. And praise God, we're going to feed their carcasses to the fowls of the air. Are you ready? Hallelujah. Are you ready? Are you battle ready? Can you imagine just the privilege of doing this? Being with him? Read it in the book of Revelation. He's coming riding on a white horse and we're coming with him. Mm. Glory be to God. Okay, what's next on God's calendar? Look at Luke seventeen, twenty-six through 36. Are you following me so far? We all together. Does this make it easier for you to understand and see? And you can study it for yourself. Okay, look at Luke 17. Let me change my glasses here. <laughs> and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. How was it in the days of Noah? Who was taken and who was left in the days of Noah? Who was taken off the earth in the days of Noah? The unrighteous. Who was left? The righteous. Remember that little boat? Noah's Ark? They did eat. They drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage until the day of Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also so as it was in the days of Lot. How was it in the days of Lot? May I ask you who was taken in the days of Lot and who was left? Who died? The unrighteous. Who was alive? The righteous, except one turned around, looked back, became a pillar of salt. Right? Okay, so if it's going to be in the days of Lot and Noah, the righteous are, remain. The unrighteous are gone. So in the second coming, who remains? The righteous. Who's gone? The unrighteous. In the days of the rapture, who's gone? The righteous. Who remains? The unrighteous. So for the seven year tribulation, who remains? The unrighteous. And all the Jews that have denied Christ and rejected Him. It's going to take that to be their rude awakening. Open up their eyes to see. See, the day of atonement for them hasn't come yet. For us, it's come. Have you accepted the blood of Jesus Christ as your atoning blood? have you been watching that precious blood of the lamb you sure have but the jews haven't the orthodox jew has it now the messianic jew has but not the orthodox jew they haven't the they don't even want to talk about jesus then we to talk about the new testament but i'm telling you on the end of that seven day seven year tribulation period the last week of daniel's prophecy when they're about to be wiped off the planet once and for now, for all now remember this didn't God say no one will take them? No one will destroy them? Didn't he say heaven and earth have to pass away? Day and night have to stop. Oh, it's going to, they're going to be at the edge of it. They're going to be at the brink of it. But guess what? Just at that moment before they are massacred. All eyes will see him coming in the sky, in the clouds. He will touch down on the Mount of Olives. He will split it in two, praise God. He will defend. He will fight for Israel and destroy everyone against him. That's when they will accept his atoning blood. They will see him and they'll know immediately we, we are the ones that pierced him. We are the ones that killed him. And they'll accept his atoning blood as the sacrifice for their sins. And he'll save them. And deliver them. Oh glory be to God. Oh let's read on. They did eat. They drank. They bought and sold. They planted. They built Wait a minute. If all this is happening. Then guess what? What's there to be afraid of? Why are you buying a generator? Why are you buying. Tribulation food. Packages. Dried up stuff. Why are you. Digging yourself. Some kind of a hole to live in with bottled water that you won't let your neighbor have. Why are, we, why are believers moved by fear to do stuff like that when he says, it's going to be just like it was. You're eating, you're drinking, you're marrying, you're giving in marriage and all that stuff. So what's the problem here? They're selling fear because they want your money. Now, if you bought one of those books that pushed fear, Y2K fear, Just repent and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'll put it to a better use next time. All right, where we at? But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop in in his stuff. You know, you got stuff. We all have stuff. you got stuff? Did you bring some of your stuff with you when you came to church today? Did you stuff some of that stuff in your purse when you came to church today? Guys, we stuff things in our pockets and here and here. We can't live without stuff. (laughs) Did you ever notice that? We always got stuff. I got stuff in my car. I got stuff in my glove box. Stuff in. You stuff it here and stuff it there. Well, so what is. He knows how important stuff is. (laughs) So in that day, he which shall come upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take his stuff away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall save his li- lose his life and shall preserve it. I tell you that in that night there shall be two men in the bed, one, in, one taken and one left. Two men in his back be grinding it together and one shall be taken and the other left. These two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. So he's talking about when he comes, life will be normal. Eating, drinking, marrying, et cetera, et cetera, working and all that. But when this day comes, there wouldn't be any time for us to do anything like that. That's talking about the second coming, not the rapture. Because the rapture, you can't even think and you're gone. Can you see that? But here you got a chance to think about, should I go get my stuff? Uh, I'm not going to get my stuff. You better not get your stuff. All right. So, now, under point one. When it comes to the rapture, okay. Let's read it. Why they can't see this, I do not know for the likes of it. Let's First Thessalonians chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren concerning them which are asleep or have died that you sorry not even as others which have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep or who have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So where do we meet him? In the clouds. Wherefore, bring a lot of discomfort on people. Well, if we're going to go through the wrath of God for that seven-year tribulation, I don't call that comfort Do you. No, the comfort is that we're out of here. The comfort is is our stuff's been left behind and we're out of here. You brought nothing into the world. You could say you brought no stuff into the world. You take no stuff out of the world. You leave it all here and you just go. And you get a new body for going. For the trip. Can you see angels telling you now like the stewardesses do on the, you know, flight attendants do on... Telling you what to do for the flight. Make sure you got everything in order. No, I just think we're just going to go. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53. The first resurrection of the saved dead. Let's look at this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, that's not the trump of revelation. This is the different trump. For the trumpet shall sound. This is the trumpet uh, of the feast of trumpets. It shall sound. The dead shall be raised uh, incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on corruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Okay, this is something that must happen because our bodies are not fit for the kingdom of God. Ever, if you ever go to a, let's say a gravesite, maybe a funeral service. Or are you just going to visit a grave? You're on resurrection soil. Can you imagine being the caretaker of that place when all of a sudden, boom, graves start popping open. Boom, that one's gone, that one's gone, that one's gone, that one's gone. And you're standing there looking around and you're not gone. Can you imagine? Oh, my. And then we that are alive are going to be caught up and meet them. And how quickly is this happening? In an atomic moment, the twinkling of an eye is in an atomic moment. This will happen. So there's no time to get ready, except for now. Now is the time. Hallelujah! Look at Romans chapter eight. The second translation, which is going to be, "We who are alive and remain." Oh, you've got to love this one. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy. To be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him who hath subjected the same to hope because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the glorious liberty of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to be wit or to be made known which is the redemption of our body for we which we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope for what is what a man sees what does he hope for it but if we hope for that which we see not then do we with patience wait for it okay let's just summarize all that ever since the fall of man all of creation is under a curse we know that the whole world did you really think they're supposed to be mosquitoes was that supposed to be a natural thing? And all kinds of termites. and I had to be part of the ites group. Jebusites, Amorites, you know, Canaanites, and then the termites. Just left over for us for some reason. Didn't wipe them out for some reason. Got all these different things that are in this world under a curse. You think, I don't know about you, I'm ready to make a war on weeds. You know, water the plants, water the plants, water the plants. Come on, girl. Water the plants. Weeds. Whoosh. 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 In a heartbeat. There they are. And then, then they trick you. You pull it out. You come back the next morning. There it is. And I pulled it out by the root. You just, what does it take for it? They grow in cement. Asphalt between the cracks. Everywhere takes no effort whatsoever to have a weed. Am I right? But the real stuff, you got to work hard at it. Oh my goodness. The point is this, that curse will be lifted. The animal kingdom will be at peace with each other. The lion and the wolf will lie together and not kill. The serpent will no longer kill with its venom. It's all lifted. And just like a big relief, all creation says, this is how it should be. This is how it should be. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will say, right. The first Adam blew it. But I'm the second Adam. And I got it all together. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful to know? And then also, your body and this body. Remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if this were dissolved, we got a building on the inside. But this body is so special to God. So special. That the very body you're living in, even if you were cremated. We're going to have to end it here, I guess. But even if you were cremated. And remember that woman that, in in the the Olympics, beach, volleyball, and she took her father's ashes and she sprinkled them around the world in all the different venues. I mean, this guy, he's one time in Italy. He's in France. He's in America. I mean, he's got little parts of his body everywhere. You ever notice when you uh, are cremated, it still doesn't reduce you to nothing? There's still ashes. Some people put those ashes in an urn and they have them in their homes. Am I right? They're still there. Some have their remains at the bottom of the ocean. They could be a couple miles down in the bottom of the ocean. Right? Did you know when that shout comes? Did you know when Jesus returns? Did you know every ash that makes up the dna of any individual person who ever lived if you were in christ praise god it's going to come out of the sea the sea will give up their dead it's going to come out of the grave the grave will give up their dead it's going to come from the north and the south and east and west wherever the venue might be and it's all like in the days of ezekiel 37 can these bones live going to come back together once again it's going to once again reconstitute your body It's going to come together and you will be glorified your body will be glorified fit for heaven hallelujah. hallelujah we're waiting for that's the hope that we have and if you have this hope you purify yourself even as he is pure can you say amen? amen hallelujah that's what he's talking about so that is the second aspect of this the dead in Christ come out first and we that are alive we're changed in a moment now I don't know about you but I put in my request I want to be alive and remaining when he comes and then trans just glorified what about you You ready for that? Do you want that? Let's stand together and just give the Lord a praise offering for his plan of salvation and what our future holds. Hallelujah.